Sacramento. Hello and welcome to the 916 Republic podcast brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Today we are very excited to bring to you our interview with Dennis Sanchez, the Sacramento Republic Academy Director. So it was a really great inter- interview. Um, we'll get talking about it in a minute. But first, Scott and I just wanted to bring everyone up to speed on what's going on behind the scenes at the 916. Uh, Scott is having a baby. That's one thing that happened. That, that is one thing that that's happening. Up. We didn't plan that in talking about that, but I just it came to my mind. Oh, Well, I mean, you didn't plan the bit. Ba- I'm just kidding. That was oh, yeah, true. that's true. I didn't plan it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or did I? No, I'm kidding. Um, the, oh, God. <laughs> I don't know how that would, that would happen, but it... Never mind. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, now, so now, now I'm totally scatterbrained. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so Scott's having basically, a baby. Yeah, we just wanted to update you on a couple things. So as we said in the past, you know the stuff's crazy with um, you know work and you know Nolan's got school and I'm you know finishing up school and stuff like that. That's not really new. Making Obviously, babies. I'm having a child. That is new. Um, but we have been putting shows out at a less frequent rate than normal that's obviously because of the pandemic we're in that's obviously because uh there's no soccer really being played we don't really want to cover the german bundesliga like everyone else uh Mm -hmm. so you know you can there's plenty of coverage of that you don't need to hear from us about that um so we're gonna put shows out as frequently as frequently as possible um that probably means it the show looks a bit more like the off season it probably means that we're going to be doing uh, every other week um, unless, you know, things pick up or unless people just suddenly become way more uh, willing to do interviews and stuff. Um, We are committed to putting out quality shows and not quantity shows. So we would rather do, uh, you know, two shows or three shows a month that are really good interviews, like the Dennis Sanchez interview that we have for you, um, than just interviewing random people off the street that think football is where you put on pads and tackle people. That's not really, you know, important. So that's kind of the update. Nothing really substantial other than I'm having a child. Um, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. And uh, yeah, we're going to uh, be bringing you shows, good shows, as often as we can. Obviously, Zach is not here. Like we said, he is busy. He is working. So um, we are going to miss Zach for now, but he'll be back shortly. Uh, hopefully the next interview that we put out, he will be there. So um, that's really the update. Nolan, how about you tell us a little bit about the Sacramento Republic Academy director, Dennis Sanchez? Yeah, so we we got to talk with Dennis. He gave us 45 minutes of his time, which was awesome. And man, the guy was just so fun to talk to. Um, we got to, to hear about um, his vision for the Academy going forward into MLS um, for those of us, we've teased, we've mentioned this on the show before, but um, the system of, I don't even know what to call it, Scott, I, I just don't know what to call it. Like the, whatever the, the academy played in before closed. So it was run by U.S. So, soccer. They yeah, it was the, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. That's yeah. what it was called. And it was just, as you said, it was a development academy run by U.S. soccer. Okay. But that's no more. Um, so... Then it was announced that this USL Academy system was being, uh, you know, rolled out in 2021. And then it was announced that the MS, MLS player development platform was also going uh, to be, you know, a thing for academies to play in. And uh, Sacramento will be playing in the MLS uh, player development platform system. Um, and so we got to, to talk to Dennis about that because that is, um, you know, very close to what he does with the club. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really cool interview. Um, just some things real quick about Dennis. Uh, he was with the Seattle Sounders organization for five years before then moving to England, where he uh, worked with the Everton Academy system while getting his, uh, I think it's, it's an MSSC. So I'm assuming that's a master's in sports science, in sports coaching. Um, You're correct. It was a master's in sports coaching. Okay, okay. Uh, and then he went straight from there to the academy director position with the Columbus crew. Um, and then has, and he was there for three years and now he's with the Republic. And so, um, yeah, really cool guy. Really fun to talk to. This was a really cool interview. Um, yeah. Any, any so just, 
yeah, just really quick before we jump into the interview, a quick couple of news things pertaining to the USL specific. Um, there was, you know, a proposal for, um, you know, the league to cut salaries and then the USL Players Association responded to that. Go Google that if you haven't looked it up. Um, just something to, to keep in mind as we're trying to return to play. It, you know, things are a bit more political and economic than just can we play soccer safely? So um, look that up as well as there uh, has been a kind of a proposal, I guess, a, a, a verbal pro- proposal, it sounds like, for the USL Championship to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. So that's uh, a little odd because they are yeah. a reserve, or not a reserve, but a, a second division team. But just something to keep your eye on as uh, things progress and move forward. That probably means that if if this does somehow happen, that the the championship teams wouldn't play in the CONCACAF Champions League, but they would play in the CONCACAF League, which is a, a lower level of competition. So again, just something for you to, you know, think about as, uh, as things move forward. Um, and then lastly, it, we talked about uh, the USL Academy League, uh, and we also talked about the MLS um, Academy platform. We, we talked about those last episode or maybe two episodes ago. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was. My my days and months are blending together. But mm. Dennis Sanchez directly addresses that in this episode. So Sacramento's Academy will play in the MLS Academy platform. Um, and then he gives some details about what that platform is going to look like. He gives some details about uh, what the Academy's goals are, both present, short-term, medium-term, uh, long-term. So this is a really informative episode. I, I, I have to say, like, a big thank you to Dennis. Mm-hmm. He was so uh, just forward, honestly, with some of his answers and um, really gave a good insight into how important things are like culture and um, personality and, um, you know, identity for a, a club, for an academy. So big thank you to Dennis. And... Uh, After a short break, we'll get to that interview. All right, and we are joined now by current Sacramento Republic Academy Director Dennis Sanchez. Dennis, thank you so much uh, for for coming on the show. We're super stoked to be able to talk with you today. No, I'm excited to be here. I've uh, had a chance to listen to a few of your episodes and have been impressed with your guys' work. So uh, excited to be here. Hey, thanks. We appreciate that. Um, but hey, we, we just wanted to get right into it, start um, getting to, to pick your brain a little bit about uh, the Academy uh, in Sacramento. Um, so you were, a new, you were announced as the new Academy Director um, in Sacramento in January of this year, uh, coming from the Columbus Crew. Um, so what just led to that uh, journey from Columbus, Ohio to, to Sacramento? Yeah, I mean, first off, um, very, very excited about my role and, and being part of a, a great club, a, an ambitious club. Um, and really, you know, I've been on this, this journey throughout my career of always, you know, wanting to be around, uh, you know, quality people and, and people that I can learn from. So, you know, I was fortunate to, to spend time in, in Seattle, um, you know, live abroad and, and, and do my master's in sports coaching while I was at Everton, uh, which ultimately led me to, to Columbus. And, you know, I was fortunate uh, during my time in Columbus to, you know, work with the likes of, of Greg Berhalter, Josh Wolf, Nico Estevez, and a lot of those guys are obviously in, in, in great positions now. Um, but, but really, you know, when, when uh, Sacramento had reached out, um, being from the West Coast, I actually played for uh, San Juan uh, my junior and senior year of high school when I lived in, in Reno, Nevada. So I've always had, you know, an affiliation to the area and, and, and loosely followed it. Um, but I've always known about the potential um, that an academy can have in this area. And that really starts with uh, the players and the, and the soccer culture that we are are fortunate to to be a part of and living in. So, you know, when, when Todd reached out, um, you know, I did my homework, uh, was was very attracted to obviously the role. Um, and really, you know, I, I love being a part of, of uh, you know, building projects. And, and, you know, when we started having these discussions with with Ben, uh, you know, our president and Todd and, and Mark, 
it just seemed like a, a very natural fit right away. Um, and, and, you know, having been around and, and experiencing, you know, different organizations, you know, one of the, the most important aspects of any uh, developmental process and professional academy is, is belief in ownership and belief um, from the entire club that they want to produce, you know, young homegrown players and have them, you know, play in front of uh, their local friends and, and family. So, you know, right away, I, I, I felt a connection, um, you know, with, with the entire staff. Uh, I could tell that there was already a, a good culture in place. And I, I know it's a, an academy that has gone through some transition over the last couple of years. Uh, even with that said, I feel like we're, we're in a very good place right now. Um, you know, I recognize the past. I think, you know, what, what has been built over the last five years has been fantastic. And I'm really just looking to, you know, build off the momentum that we have right now, uh, continue to refine our culture and our identity and our pathway and, you know, give more opportunities to young players in our area to play for our first team one day. So then uh, with that being said, Dennis, uh, when you were uh, hired, you know, the, the club put out a press release and in that press release, you were quoted as saying, I was immediately sold on the vision of uh, Republic FC and their ambitions to be an elite MLS club and academy. Now, I mean, we know every MLS team wants to be elite and they want to win championships, but what does it mean to have an elite academy and how does Sacramento as a club get there? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, I alluded to a little bit of kind of this this overarching belief as a club that, that you know, part of our roster structure and management in the future is to um, utilize the the homegrown uh, status on on our salary cap so you know I think that for us you know not only do we want to have young players coming through um, we believe that we are in a market in an area that can produce uh, not only players that can play you know professionally in the US but also uh, abroad and, and internationally. So, you know, again, that's that's one area, but you're really looking at, you know, a number of different factors that you're looking to create within your academy. I would say that that first and foremost, the, the culture and the people involved is one of the most important, if not most important aspects of, of any club. So, you know, again, I think it's, you know, right away when I was doing research and, and came across, you know, this idea of being the indomitable club and the indomitable city, uh, I immediately, you know, felt a connection, a, a deep connection to um, really just this overarching philosophy of Sacramento as a city. And we've actually been, um, you know, through this kind of quarantine, uh, we've been working on refining our core values and, um, you know, what we stand for. So things such as, you know, perseverance, having a resilient spirit, um, you know, being a unified community, uh, this pursuit of excellence. So, and this is all stemming from this idea that Sacramento uh, was an indomitable club and indomitable city and had to persevere through, you know, very difficult moments uh, in our history to overcome and, and um, you know, stand afloat, uh, you know, in Sacramento. So I think that just the the general vibe and the people that are in Sacramento, uh, you know, very blue collar, humble, um, aligns with 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 a personal connection from my side. So um, again, I think that there's a there's a clear culture that is being defined as we speak and will be implemented in the future, uh, and that's really what's going to drive you know our core values, the standards that we're um, you know looking to implement within our club, and and really the type of people from a staffing and from a player perspective that we want to be a part of our club, and that's really what's and allow us to create this identity. Uh, and then within that, you know, we, we go into, you know, a little bit more of the soccer specific side. Um, you know, we think it's very important to have, you know, an overarching uh, game model and, and a similar philosophy across the club and, and really allow our principles of play to, um, you know, allow us to dictate the way that we want to approach the game. And, and, and that would be one that's very progressive, uh, ball oriented and, and the ability to, you know, create as many goal scoring opportunities as possible. So, you know, culture, game model, um, and then really, you know, for me, which which I would say is is uh, one of the most in, uh, intriguing areas that I like to explore is, is this learning environment or we call it the pedagogical approach um, that we want to instill within our environment. So you're really looking at, you know, how you teach the players, the type of feedback, the type of environment that you're creating um, anywhere from, you know, the, 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 the tactical principles that you're working on to, uh, again, the types of sessions that you're running. So when you start to kind of combine all these things and, and really a goal for ours is, you know, we want to take a very holistic approach. We ultimately want players that are stewards in the community, uh, that are great people, uh, you know, both on and off the field, and that ultimately lead their process. And that we feel that, you know, the character 
characteristics that allow you to be successful in life. You know, you hear a lot of these buzzwords about growth mindset, grit, um, you know, perseverance, uh, and, and being able to overcome adversity. We think that those are are, are parallel uh, with developing good people and good soccer players. So we want to take a very uh, holistic approach to um, how we develop our our players. Um, and then, you know, within that, obviously, you know, the, the level of competition that you're creating in your environment internally, uh, also externally and being a part of, of the new MLS platform that, that we're excited to be a part of. Um, and then really, you know, that last piece is, is what do you do and, and how do you help, you know, players transition to the professional ranks? And I think that is the, the hardest thing to do. Um, and that really starts with, you know, again, working with players and families at a, at a younger age, developing those characteristics um, and, and allowing them to kind of overcome those hurdles as they approach uh, the first team status. So, you know, really, again, this it's, it's a broader vision, but there's a number of buckets that have to work. Uh, in collaboration in order for us to be successful. So then speaking about uh, the the overarching style of play that you want to have from the first team all the way through the academy, if I go to an academy game, whether it's uh, you know something as low as like a, a U12, U13 game or a U19 game, what style should I expect to see? What are the things uh, that I should be looking for, it, whether it's in individual phases of play, it's in individual players, or just the overall style? What are the things that need to be carried out from first team all the way through the academy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think from a, a characteristic standpoint, I mean, obviously we want um, to have a, a, a strong work ethic and that blue collar, you know, chip on your shoulder mentality. And again, that, that ties to, um, you know, our community and, and a, a lot of the players that we have are coming from, you know, lower to, to middle, you know, working class families. So for sure, you know, when, when we when we speak to our players, it's never about winning. And I think that, you know, there's there's a lot of debate about, you know, winning versus development. We think that those go hand in hand, but we're a we're a process oriented academy and club. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, through our principles of play, through, you know, these these strategic steps that ultimately if we implement our style of play, implement the right characteristics on and off the field that we think that we will be successful as a team and, and both producing uh, individual players over time. So, you know, it's very clear that we want to have, you know, this this level of kind of minimum standards with our work ethic, with that um, that team cohesiveness and that family, you know, orientation that, that we want to cross our, our club. In terms of a style of play, um, I think that, you know, of course, you know, we don't want it to be so black and white to where, um, you know, players become robotic. I think that you, the way that, you know, it has worked for, for myself over the years is to really help players create this structure, um, especially at the kind of younger age groups and, and just this basic idea of time, space, how to utilize it, how to, um, you know, create overloads and advantage in, in specific parts of the field. Um, and, and over time, add more detail, but also add, you know, uh, almost fluidity within the structure. So while we want to have, you know, clear principles of play, the, the fact of the matter is that every team uh, and every player is going to have slight variations to how that looks. Um, but with that said, again, I think that we want to be the protagonist in the game. So that means, you know, we want to dictate the game with the ball. Um, you know, we don't want to just possess to possess. It's, it's possession with a purpose. Uh, and again, whether that's, you know, being able to, you know, break multiple lines in one pass, um, having to strategically play through their lines, go around them. Um, but we're looking to, you know, again, try to simplify the game for the players as much as possible. And at the end of the day, it comes down to how do we create more goal scoring opportunities and how do we prevent those opportunities from happening against us? So we feel that when we have the ball, we're able to accomplish those things. And then really it's that mentality in uh, that reaction when we lose it, that we want to regain the ball a as quickly as possible. So, you know, for sure, we want to have this identity across our, our academy. And I think that's been, you know, a, a big focus point for myself over the years of, of not looking at it as a U13 team or U15 team. You know, we want our players to feel that they are part of, of Sacramento Republic. And this is the, the type of uh, person that we want to create and the style of play that we want to implement. So then... You're trying to implement these styles of play. You're trying to develop not only players, but also uh, young men and hopefully in the future, also young women. You're trying to uh, also develop coaches. And you're, as the academy director, you're, you're developing coaches that develop players. But 
there's a problem that I've noticed with not a problem, just a, a reality in the academy coaching world is that people usually don't stick around for that long. You're there for two, three, four, maybe five years at the longest before you get uh, a better offer somewhere else to be maybe a first team assistant coach or a first team head coach player or coaches come to mind. Like Mike Munoz was in uh, the the Sacramento Republic Academy and then moved on to the LA galaxy two, and then moved on to Toronto to uh, um, Jordan Farrell is the uh, head coach in NISA now. And it was with the Academy. So how do you, as the Academy director, develop coaches when the reality is you you don't have them for that long and then how do you you know teach them to develop players when the reality is they don't have those players for that long mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a great question and and just to i guess um you know answer the question directly like we're very proud of the fact that you know not only do we have players that have moved on to professional clubs uh but that we have coaches as well um i think that's very much a, a part of our process that you know, as you alluded to, it's, it's the most important thing is that we have uh, quality people and quality coaches that are leading the process for our players. And that means, you know, helping them uh, develop in specific areas. But but ultimately, if they have an opportunity to continue their growth uh, and it's the right thing for the club, then then we're supportive of it. Um, so so we're, we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we've had a number of, of, of you know, coaches that have come through the academy over the years um, that are, are still very much involved in the game, whether it's at a higher level. Um, and, and look, I think everybody's, you know, different, um, you know, some and, and that's the most important thing from my aspect is, you know, getting to know the person. Uh, and what the coach's ambitions are. But if I have a coach that comes in as the, you know, U17 coach, and he's saying that, you know, he wants to be a USL coach in the future or work at an MLS level, then I'm going to do everything in my power to help him accomplish those goals. Of course, you know, I think that there's uh, a strong track record, especially, um, you know, with, with Todd and, and, you know, promoting from within. Um, and I think that is always our, our first choice. But again, I think it's always about um, trying to identify each coach's uh, strengths, um, which is a big one for us. Uh, we always want to focus on the strengths of both, you know, staff and coaches, or sorry, staff and players um, to try to implement within the field, uh, but also focus on areas that they want to continue to improve. And so, you know, really what you're talking about is um, creating this, this collaborative learning environment, not only for the players, but for the staff. And so whether that's through, you know, weekly reviews and analysis, um, you know, obviously we want our staff to be together you know, in as many games as possible. Um, and that's just really kind of my approach in general is that, you know, I don't ever view myself as, as their, you know, the boss. Uh, I want to work together with people. And I think that, um, you know, really hiring the right people is, is arguably the hardest thing. And then being able to develop them, you know, over the years to help them reach their potential and their goals. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So I wanted to, to shift gears a little bit um, to talk about the new MLS player development platform um, that has recently been rolled out um, in light of the closing of the U.S. De- Soccer Development Academy. Um, so, I I know just a rough sketch of what has what was going on. the The U.S. Development Academy has closed its doors, but there has sprung up this MLS player development platform as well as the USL Academy uh, like system, um, and it's been revealed that the Republic, that the Sacramento Academy will play in the MLS development platform um, going forward. And uh, it, it seems like an interesting setup. So there's, from what I can understand, 95 academies within the platform, uh, which sounds huge. Like I, I'm, I'm not seeing exactly how people are gonna, like who's gonna play who, are there gonna be separate tiered leagues? Um, but yeah, so what, what does, entry into this new phase of uh of organization uh, yeah for your academy for yeah um i think first off you know it was it was very unexpected from everybody for the developmental academy to fold so um you know i think that with the way uh mls has handled the situation and really um shown their leadership over the last few months has been tremendous and i think that you know, where, where, um, where we're moving now is that, you know, rather than, you know, I, we obviously know that U.S. soccer has to appease to a number of different bodies. And I think that with MLS, um, you know, the, really the, the, the whole idea around this platform is, is about player development. 
and, and player centric. So, you know, I think with, you know, obviously we want, you know, the quote unquote, the, the best clubs possible to be a part of it just to enhance that level of competition. And I think you've seen, you know, the commitment from, as you allude to, you know, 95 clubs across the country uh, with, I know more to come um, in the future. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic platform for our players to continually challenge themselves and, and to test themselves uh, not only against the best, uh, domestically, but also internationally. So, um, it, you know, really the big message with with MLS, and I know there's been a lot of discussions over the years about, you know, MLS only versus non-MLS only, uh, was it with that this idea that first and foremost, we want to work together with the local clubs. We think it's, you know, due to the size and, and the breadth of our country, and also, um, you know, the, 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 the great track record of a lot of, you know, amateur clubs around our country, uh, that they very much should be a part of this process and that it should be inclusive uh, and that they need to be playing against uh, MLS clubs on, on a consistent basis. So, um, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of time, energy, uh, you know, money and resources that are going to be put forth into um, this league to really just create this, this uh, competitive platform from U13 through U19. Uh, I do know that there's going to be, a, you know, a few age groups um, that are more specific to a, you know, MLS only type platform or, or more increased games at those, uh, those age groups, uh, which would also include international competition. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. And, and, you know, not only on the field in terms of, you know, competition, um, yeah, I think you're going to see an increase in, in coaching education and uh, really just the resources and the things that, that MLS has access to that's, um, you know, put into this league moving forward. So we're, we're very excited to be, you know, part of it. Um, you know, we're always looking for ways to, you know, put our players in the most competitive environment possible. Cool. So how does the announcement of, of playing in this new player development platform uh, shift the way that you run the academy? Does it shift anything at all right now? Does it change the way that you identify talent or bring players in? Does it look relatively the same before and after for a player in the academy given this shift yeah uh that's a it's a great question and i think it's something that you know we addressed head on with with our current players and family was that it doesn't change anything you know we're still very much uh you know have a strong belief in our developmental process uh and and, and the environment that we're creating for 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 our players so everything that we've discussed already in terms of the culture and the learning environment that we're trying to create um, that's all going to stay consistent and, and continue to grow over the future. So really, um, the only changes that you're going to see is, is you know, slight variation in, in maybe some of the teams that you're playing, uh, you know, different types of competitions. I know that, you know, we're, we're taking our first step into really being a, an MLS academy, um, you know, which will allow us to be, you know, partake in the Generation Adidas Cup and, and different types of events that, um, you know, we haven't had access to in the past. So um, from, from a developmental process, nothing changes changes outside of again just just you know maybe the 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 teams and clubs that we're playing against so then with that being said uh, just a, a couple quick things to to follow up on you said you're moving toward being an mls academy which is obviously everyone should be expecting that um and from what i've heard you know sacramento as a club was operating uh, close to or at an ML, an mls academy already. So now you're just really focusing on uh, giving, you know, players more opportunities and, and things like that. So with that in mind, where does uh, an eventual second team, professional second team come into play with an academy system in the development model? When does that need to start being discussed uh, in the, the academy structure with the Republic? Yeah, I mean, those discussions are, are happening now. I think this is part of um, the new MLS platform that has been put forth. Uh, it includes a, a U23 league, which would essentially take over um, what what is currently our, our USL team and serve as our full-time reserve team. So if you look kind of long-term, you know, U13 through a U23 team as, as kind of that developmental process before they jump into uh, what will be our MLS first team. So, you know, look, I think that 
we're, we're continuing to analyze and, and, you know, be strategic about the steps that we want to take, obviously with, with the, the current situation and, you know, the, some of the financial constraints that all organizations and clubs are, are facing right now. I think everything is always open for discussion. Uh, but our plan right now is when our first team moves into MLS in 2022, then we would initiate the U23 team and be a part of um, what would be a, a U23 uh, MLS, you know, provided league. So then if I'm hearing that correctly, it sounds like instead of having like a League One team, for example, um, the Republic would have a U23 team and that U23 team would potentially directly feed into the MLS first team. Is that right? Exactly. We want to we want to have a, a consistent pathway, um, you know, for our players to arrive to our first team. And this is, again, something that all MLS clubs will be doing. I know that there there's been discussions about, you know, opening it up to other uh, non-MLS clubs such as League One clubs right now or even, you know, current USL clubs. So all those things are, are being discussed on a, you know, greater level right now. Um, but but as, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I think that, you know, one of the hardest steps to making it as a pro is really taking that jump from, you know, 16, 17, 18 into a first team environment. So, you know, we feel, you know, as a club and as, a, you know, MLS, um, that this platform for the U23 age group to give young players opportunities to play against professionals, uh, there will be a combination of, of some things where, um, you know, first team players will be able to, you know, be permitted um, to play in this league as well, obviously a certain a number, um, but it really is going to be a, a, a blended developmental approach uh, and one that provides, you know, a, an extension of our academy and a platform to help players transition into our first team. So then. Obviously, it's, it's going to be by a team by team basis, but then it sounds like uh, Major League Soccer wants to move more toward this U23 uh, academy, you know, semi-professional, if you will, with the with first team players dropping down uh, a U23 team than having teams in League One and, and League Two. My, you know, the thing that just pops in my head right off the bat is all of a sudden you're not playing against, you know, that season 35 year old vet. As a 16-year-old, you don't get to, you know, get bumped around and pushed down and, uh, you know, have some, you know, professional fouls and, and things like that. Does that potentially hurt development in some ways, not playing against those seasoned professionals? I think I think it would be a combination. So, like, you know, if I look at maybe, you know, potentially what our roster could look like for the U23s in the future, obviously we want, you know, academy players and graduates uh, and homegrown players to be a part of that. But it also gives you the ability to uh, look at, you know, young international talent. It gives you the ability to, um, you know, have players from the first team come down who are maybe not, you know, receiving the, the adequate number of minutes or are coming back from injury and so forth. So I think that with that blended approach, um, it is is very much going to be a competitive environment. And I I know that, um, you know, there's been discussions about, you know, how do we, you know, synthesize this and, and, you know, add more value to it. And I know there's, you know, discussions with, with Liga MX and, and just different partnerships around the world and in ways that we can, you know, drive this level of competition. And this risk really is, um, you know, something that is, is, has been a challenge for people worldwide. You know, if you look in England, um, they've had issues with their U23 league over the past few years. Uh, a lot of clubs over there operate with, with loan systems. So I think that it's really going to be, um, as always, on an individual player-by-player basis and to see what is best with their developmental process at that point in time. But I do know that, um, you know, we, we as the MLS and, 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 the, and the academies that are a part of this um, want to make this environment um, as close as possible to what would be the first team environment. So then it sounds like maybe there'll be, uh, you know, some some play between uh, Liga MX U23s and MLS U23s. Is that right? There's discussions. Again, I think everything, no, nothing has been finalized yet, um, but everything is, is open. And again, with us, you know, having a, a strong relationship with Liga MX, uh, I know that, that both leagues have explored ways in which they can collaborate. Uh, for instance, even over the last, you know, three or four years, uh, being a part of the, the Generation Adidas Cup with, with Columbus, um, there's consistently around, you know, eight to 10 uh, Liga MX academies that are partaking in this th- these types of competitions. So I think that both 
leagues and structures are looking at ways in which you know we can create more unique experiences for our players and if we can do that together along with you know obviously the the canadian teams uh, and provide this platform for for players in north america uh, it's something that we want to explore uh, assuming that there's going to be you know a full-fledged u23 league and you know maybe there's international play in there or not what are you going to do if there's a player that's maybe past the u23 level but just isn't quite ready to break into the first team could we be expecting to see more loans out to championship, independent championship teams or even League One teams? Yeah, again, I think it's always going to be a, a player by player basis. But I do know that, you know, one of the rules that they're discussing right now is having, um, you know, a certain amount of overage players that are able to play in this league as well. So, um, you know, look, this is the beauty of soccer. You know, there's not one direct pathway. And I think there's great examples, you know, across the world of, of you know, what you would call your, your late developers, but, you know, guys that are, you know, around the, the 22, 23, 24 year old, you know, age range that are still have uh, a lot of potential to develop and, and, and help the team be successful. So uh, I think that there is going to be flexibility. And this is, you know, again, why I feel that this MLS platform in general um, is, is going to be the right way forward is just because, again, we want to do what's best for the players. So if that means, you know, having, you know, younger players play up, older players come down, finding the balance between everything um, and, and, and that being best for player development, then then we're, we're going to explore those. So then with this new MLS Academy platform structure, whatever the name is going to be, what's the thing that you're most looking forward to? Obviously, you've been uh, you know, around the DA and the DA is gone and I heard the DA was kind of restrictive in, in some ways. So what's the thing that you're most looking forward to with this new MLS Academy platform? Yeah. Um, I mean, first off, I think that the level of competition in the clubs that are, are currently involved is, is going to be uh, a great way for, for our players to test themselves. So, um, you know, uh, I think everybody that's involved in our academy is competitive and, and wants to uh, be tested on a continuous basis and nobody you know, enjoy his winning games uh, by, by, you know, a large amount. So they have that ability to, uh, again, put our players in unique experiences, different, different types of um, styles of play and, and, and uh, you know, environments for, for our players is, is going to be the most important thing. So I think just the, the ability to, again, consistently play against, against top level clubs around the country uh, mixed in with, with international competition uh, is, is really going to be important for us. And, and I also want to state that, you know, even though we are part of this MLS platform, it's still very important for us to, you know, play our, our local clubs that aren't a part of this as, as frequently as we can, um, you know, to, to a, you know, um, you know, create more game opportunities for, for all of our players. Uh, but just because you are or not in this MLS platform doesn't mean that we uh, don't want to work together and, and again, and play against uh, their, their club team. So again, I think this is just, you know, one aspect of our development process that we want to utilize. All right, cool. So um, we we're hoping to, to shift a bit here and, and just talk about the role that you've now stepped into uh, in Sacramento. So what does your job with the academy on a day-to-day -day basis look like? Are you meeting primarily with coaches uh, in your academy? Are you meeting with Mark Briggs and, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, what head coaches and academy directors talk about? Like, what does, uh, what does your day look like? Um, Inside. I know it's weird with the pandemic, but no, it's it's a loaded question too because yeah. I think that you know we have to wear many different hats and, and it's yeah. really dependent on on the time of the year. But um, for sure, I think that it's it's a combination of a number of things. You know, obviously, uh, right now our focus is on you know really the well being of of our players and staff and and keeping them engaged and uh, continue to support them both on and off the field, ensure that their their families are are in a good situation. Um, you know, but with that said, you know, especially for uh, myself and, and really just, you know, beginning my role in, in February, I'm still, you know, getting my feet wet. Um, I know we've been meeting with a number of, of local clubs in ways that we can collaborate and work together and, and provide a pathway for uh, players in our community, um, you know, coupled with, you know, the, the things that we discussed, you know, how do we, how do we ensure that we have the right culture in place? How do we ensure that, you know, our, our game model is fitting 
uh, the type of players that are coming from from our area. Um, you know, what which high potential players are, um, you know, need to have those opportunities with with the first team. Um, all those discussions are, are being had right now. So there's definitely, uh, you know, a lot of work ahead. But, um, you know, we just, you know, for me, it's always about how do you prioritize what's uh, what's most important right now uh, by still but but still maintaining, you know, this this medium to long term uh, approach and ensuring that, you know, we're heading in the right direction, uh, as a club over time. So, uh, yeah, again, a number, number of different hats really depends on, on the time of the year. Um, you know, but, but right now, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I would say mostly focused on, you know, culture, uh, implementing our, our, our game model. Uh, you know, I know, you know, Mark, Mark Griggs has been awesome about providing our players with, with opportunities with the first team. We have uh, six to eight academy players currently training with the first team right now. Obviously, with Hayden and Mario, um, you know, really breaking down that barrier and, and you know, uh, Hayden solidifying a, a starting spot. I know Mario is close to that and he's working hard. Um, but, but that really is a great uh, model for our young players to, um, you know, take forth, you know, moving forward. So we're just trying to, again, create this comprehensive uh, development platform for our guys and, and always looking at ways to uh, improve it. And I think that's the beauty of, of sports in general is that if you're not uh, continually, you know, striving forward, wanting to learn, having an open mind, you know, being innovative, then, then, you know, people are going to surpass you. So uh, a lot of work ahead, but, but we are very much, you know, building momentum and moving in the right direction. And you mentioned speaking with those high potential players, just more generally, how do you go about identifying a player that you're bringing into the academy? I mean, so if you look kind of at like a, I guess, a, a network in general, I think first and foremost, and, and this has been a message that we've, you know, given to the clubs, the local clubs, is that we can't do it without them. So I think that, you know, relationships uh, is a massive part of, you know, helping us identify, again, not only the right soccer players, but but the right people in general. Um, you know, we've just recently hired two part-time scouts uh, we are looking to bring in somebody uh, for the academy that oversees our entire scouting process. So this is really going to be a big focus for us uh, moving forward. But, you know, again, it's a lot of things, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that we alluded to um, in regards to, you know, the characteristics, you know, what is a player's mentality like? Um, you know, what's their work ethic like? Are they intrinsically motivated? Uh, do they have the desire to, you know, uh, you know, overcome adversity over time? So I know sometimes those things are, are difficult to tell within a game, uh, but there are different ways in which you can, you know, uh, try to create this, this picture of, of what a player's mentality is like. And then, you know, from a, from a soccer perspective, uh, you know, we want players that, uh, take initiative. Um, and we very much believe in, again, strengths and uh, being, I want to say special in certain areas, but really trying to have something different than than, than most. And, and I know even through my time uh, being a, an academy director, we've gone from, you know, having specific profiles at a young age to being a little bit more generalized because, you know, the, the fact of the matter is it's, it's, you're never really going to know where a player is or where they stand or what their future looks like, even from a, you know, a positional standpoint until they're in your environment. So I think that, you know, we want players that are, are of course, technically proficient, uh, the ability to uh, make the right decisions. They have the, the right, you know, perceptual awareness and the ability to, you know, recognize advantage in specific areas. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's an athletic uh, uh, you know, proponent to this as well, um, which is sometimes difficult to, you know, identify at the younger age groups, especially, uh, you know, until they've gone through uh, puberty. Um, but, but all these kind of things, you know, create this picture of, of what a player, you know, looks like. And, and uh, again, our focus is always on potential and what they're going to be like long term. So, you know, we, we, we want to, you know, try to identify characteristics that are going to be successful over time rather than give us, you know, success in this exact moment. Kind of to wrap up here, Dennis, I'm really looking for some concrete goals for the academy in the short term and kind of the medium term before we hit Major League Soccer. Now, I, I'm not talking, obviously, during uh, the quarantine, but when we come back and start playing, uh, what are some of the concrete things that people can uh, look for to know that the academy is progressing toward being that full-fledged full professional academy that is ready to continue developing players for major league soccer what are some concrete things that we should be looking for 
Yeah, I mean, look, with with anything, it, it, it's going to take time. Um, and and while you know I, I'm ambitious, our club's ambitious. You know, the to you know shift the the culture and identity and style of play, uh, especially from a player's perspective, it is going to take time. So you know, really, the 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 idea for me, or like you know, what we call our, our key performance indicators, are you know how many players are arriving to the first team. So again, I think it's been great with with Marno and Hayden to you know really kind of uh, provide that you know intangible pathway for our young players to see. I know we have a number of, of players again, as I alluded to, that are are training with the first team uh, right now, and and really the reality is. Uh, we want to get as many players as possible, uh, consistently as possible, to not only arrive to our first team, um, which is, is very important to to make note of. We want our academy players and, and homegrown players to contribute to our first team success. You know, I think that uh, there's a difference between signing a pro contract and making a career out of the game and, and winning championships. So it's very important that you know when we look to our MLS or moving into MLS in 2022 that. Of course, our first team is successful, but that when we look on the field and we're winning games and, and hopefully, you know, winning championships, that we see, you know, X amount of players that have come from, you know, the Sacramento area and are contributing to our first team success. So, uh, again, while it's going to take time for us to see those those goals, um, I think that you're going to see a number of players get opportunities with uh, with our, our, our current USL team over the future. Uh, obviously, again, Mark and, and Todd's belief in bringing young players through and giving them opportunities. Uh, there's never been a greater time to be a part of our academy and to have those opportunities to to make it as a professional. Now we understand that that path is not for everybody, so it's important that again we take a parallel pathway in the sense that you know our players are doing well academically. Um, so a number of our players are still going to go through the collegiate process, and and we want to work with them through that. So uh, it's another KPI that we you know we want players to be playing in the if they're not going to go directly through the pro route that they're playing in the best. Um, collegiate environment possible. Uh, and then really for us, the, the last one, which is, is very important, is representing, um, you know, their, their native country. So whether that's, you know, USA or, or Mexico or, or whatever it may be, um, we very much want our players to be a part of youth national team processes uh, and not only to get called into camps, but to um, be a staple uh, in, in each pool and to be participants in events and, and especially World Cups. Um, so whether it's the U17 World Cup, U20 World Cup. So all those are, are kind of intangible goals for, um, you know, our players to achieve over, over the next few years. Uh, and again, I think, you know, our, our goal ultimately is for, for you guys to come out. And if we were to, you know, remove the Sac Republic jerseys, that you guys would be able to identify us as a club and saying, wow, that's that's how Sac Republic plays and, and really creating this this culture and identity through our style of play, um, through our behaviors on the field uh, that allow us to be and represent Sac Republic in the right way. What about with uh, infrastructure? Like, is there, you know, something like you've maybe looked at, you know, how Real Salt Lake have a kind of a residency and you're like, oh man, that would be amazing. You know, if 10 years down the road, we could have something like that. That would be maybe a, a longer term uh, goal. So what would be maybe some longer term goals if you were guaranteed, you know, the contract, hey, you're going to be here for 15 years, Dennis, and you get to build this academy the way that you want to build it. And here's your, you know, your massive budget over this, you know, 10, 15 year period. What are some more concrete goals long term that in your eyes should be maybe discussed or, or maybe even obtainable? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously there's, there's a strategic process to this. So, you know, what I can allude to right now is, is again, we very much, um, you know, you've, you, I've said it already, but, but focusing on the relationships with the local community. Um, I think that is, is really a, a key piece of our success long-term and, and understanding that again, we play, you know, one aspect of many in a player's development, but uh, a player's growth from the time that they were born until they arrived to our environment are, is obviously a, a very important aspect for us. So we want to continue to build those relationships and that sense of trust uh, across our community. Um, you know, I know, you know, specifically we're in the process of, of looking at, you know, hiring some, some candidates. Uh, we basically identified 
um, three roles over uh, the next couple of years that we want to kind of bring in and help oversee um, just because we feel it's of great importance for, for our development. So those roles, you know, would be the, the, the scouting role that would help oversee, again, our recruitment process, ensuring that, you know, we're, we're getting the best players, not only in Sacramento, but through North Bay, through the Central Valley, um, and really just taking advantage of the area that we're in. Uh, the other position that we're, we're currently exploring is a, um, somebody that would oversee our, our individual development. And, and what that looks like would be, you know, in terms of our individual development plans for our players across the academy, but then also focusing on, again, those high potential players at the older age groups uh, and enhancing, um, you know, the number of contact hours we have with them, creating flexible school schedules through our partnership with Elk Grove Charter School, um, and really just trying to take advantage and, and help them transition into, um, you know, the, the first team. Uh, the other role that we're um, looking at, you know, in the future is a, a kind of director of coaching role. Um, um, just to help oversee, uh, you know, our, our coaches' development, and again, continue to create this this learning environment and process within our academy um, to uh, to continue the development of our, our our staff. So those are kind of the three roles that we see happening over the next couple of years. Um, but look, I think that um, you know I I'm well aware of of all kind of what the academies are doing across the U.S. right now, and also uh, internationally. Uh, again, I think that we have to understand what we're working with in, in our respective realm in our area and, and do what's best for, for Sac Republic. And, and, you know, it's important to, again, have that pathway to have that competitive environment to um, create those learning environments for our players, obviously, you know, moving into MLS, having a new stadium downtown uh, and, and the buzz around, you know, our club is something that we have to take advantage of. And then really the, the final piece for us um, is, is the training facility, which is going to be uh, a massive boost for, for our entire club to really, um, you know, I think, again, we have a fantastic culture right now, but just being in one central location uh, as an academy, as a first team is really only going to allow us to, to take it that much further. So um, that's kind of where we're at right now. And then, you know, we're going to have to continue to analyze, you know, where we're at in the areas that, that we need to grow and, 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 and add accordingly from there. Well, on behalf of uh, myself, Nolan, and Zach, we would like to officially apply for all three of those positions. <laughs> and, uh, you guys are in. Thank yeah, sweet. you. Yes. I mean, we do live in the North Bay area. I mean, I'm just saying, we play a lot of FIFA, so <laughs> we definitely know how to scout players oh. adequately. Oh, yeah. Um, no, just kidding. All right. Well, um, unless Nolan has anything else, I think we're just going to wrap this up. Do you have anything else, Noel? I'm good. Uh, Dennis, thanks so much for taking the time and, uh, you know, start talking with us. You've been more than generous with um, the amount of time you've given us. So thank you so much. Of course, guys. Uh, happy to be here. And, uh, you know, our door is always open. I would love to have you guys out when uh, when the time comes and we get back to a level of normalcy. You're, you're more than welcome to come out to any academy, you know, session or, or game. Uh, but would love to, to catch up more in the future. Oh, you That's... have no idea how much we're going to take you up on that. Scott, Scott will literally... Scott will take you up on that. I mean, just, <laughs> just kidding. I, already, I mean, I wouldn't go to Academy games in person, but I would, as as often as they're on YouTube, I'm watching the Academy yeah. games. So, yes. Well, we'll, we'll keep you updated with that. But yeah, seriously, the, the door is open for you guys. All right, man. Well, have a good, uh, good rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we'll be back at Papa Murphy soon. Thanks, guys. Take care, all right?